Welcome to the show. Uh, my guest today uh, is a superhero. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I know th- those of you have been wanting a superhero on the show. So, welcome. Uh, well, her well her name is Chelsea Kurtz, but some people might know her from the Flash as Black Bison. Chelsea, welcome. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, so, so your superhero. Uh, we don't know each other. Actually, we know each other through friend. But I've I've seen that you've done a lot of um, more action oriented uh, work. So my first question is: in the film Up on the Glass, starring my friends Kevin and Nikki Del Principe, past guests on the show, and you play the role of Liz, which is out now uh, as of this taping. Kind of, how did you get your mind into uh, I would I would describe like a cerebral psychological thriller? You know, it's not a super hero movie by any means so how did you get into like a very different style of film definitely um yeah completely different experience working on something very action oriented it's very i mean I, i guess obviously it's a more physical way in um especially with something like the flash uh, you have to be so specific about, I, I, I didn't really, I didn't do my own stunts on the flash, but you have to be so specific about physically where your body is located and hitting your marks and, um, you know, for the sake of the entire, like all the moving parts of the production depend on that. But uh, working on Up in the Glass, I didn't, it being really cerebral, um, I didn't approach it in a very left brain way. I got really lucky with Kevin and Nikki. They're actors, directors, and actors, writers. Um, and my co-star Chase, uh, also like really wonderful to work with. So, so much of that process was really, um, really like getting really good at listening and practicing being very present. And, and um, so much of the, like atmospherically what was happening uh, to our characters was really influenced by being there. there. Like any imagining I did or could have done back in LA where, where I live and where we got cast um, just couldn't have prepared us for how, like film, the filming in Michigan on the beach. It, it really became a process of just being open to what was happening in the moment and on set and, and, being able to sort of be in dialogue with Chase and Nikki and Kevin, who were so great about like, well, let's try this, let's try this. Well, this isn't working for me, well, let's try that. Really, really good about sort of um, on your feet creation of it. Um, this, uh, I want to get into your story, but I, I do want to follow up on this because mm-hmm. it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, did, did you feel 
more free creatively since as you said with action films you get it gets really technical at times because you gotta you know get everything right for special effects and stunts and all that definitely (laughs) um i would say uh, i'll make a generalization but tv generally and especially something that involves serious stunts like the flash they do so many really amazing stunts it is it's very it's very specific and and i think the thing that I'm always trying to cultivate when it, when it comes to TV and network TV particularly is, is consistency. Um, but working in independent film, um, especially something like Up on the Glass, which was such a, a project of love from every angle, um, it really did become very collaborative, which, yeah, it, it, it frees you. That's, uh, that's great. I mean, that's cool to hear. I heard, heard a little bit of the stories from Kevin and Nikki about you know, there, there's a kind of a community element to making that film and the, the community mm-hmm. of Shelby, Michigan, you know, <laughs> took part, you know, it was like a, yeah, it was all, all those things. And that, that sounds really cool. Um, so uh, for those who have not listened to this a, a podcast, but will because Black Bison is here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so Chelsea is a storyteller. She's a performer and used to telling stories so i've asked uh you chelsea to not tell any story that you've had any preparation for at all uh you got to tell one off the cuff that you think is really good um or even quote the best in your your kind of library stories so we're going to hear that story and then we'll kind of figure out why you chose not to tell it why it's been kept under under the uh under the rug so to speak um and then just go from there and just kind of have a little bit of fun with it. Definitely. Yeah. So and you don't seem nervous at all, which is cool. I, I don't feel too nervous. Yeah. I mean, maybe because, as you said, I'm, I'm kind of used to telling stories, but it's not something, it's something I haven't told, but it isn't something embarrassing. I've lived a, a rather um, <laughs> cautious and uh, safe life. <laughs> so... <laughs> um yeah it's it's more a story about um well you'll see but it is it's not one of those like that one time I streaked through Bali or that one time I went skydiving it's you know well I mean what I like is like like we don't know each other Uh, I'm not I'm not saying that in a bad way just we don't but it's like we sound like like chums like pals already you know, we feel I, like chums. Yeah, I think part. <laughs> yeah, and I think part of it is, no one's gonna actually see the video, <laughs> right? Like it's just <laughs> us talking. Like, there's no, so that part of the you know, I always feel like it doesn't matter who you are when the camera's on you, despite your level of training. It just there's a freeze there. There's a you know, it doesn't matter how seasoned of an actor you are. It's uh, so true. You know, it's just you know, you know something's you know you're being recorded visually. So, anyhow. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear this uh, for, you know, uh, the first time and maybe for the public, too, or anyone or even in, in your personal life. We'll hear. We'll see. All right. Uh, well, my story is about, um, let's say, how I chose where to go to college. Okay. So I grew up in Ohio, in Cincinnati, in um, a little neighborhood called Madisonville, which is now gentrifying, but uh, is what I think would have been 
affectionately or not so affectionately termed when I was growing up the ghetto. Um, I, my mom uh, made it really clear to me when I was young. She is a bit of a tiger mom and, you know, really always wanted me to succeed. Uh, and she made it really clear when I was young that if I wanted to go to school, I was going to need to get a scholarship. I was going to need to get lots of scholarships. So I worked really, really hard. Um, I knew that when I was from a really young age that I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a performer. Um, I fell in love really young with Shakespeare. And uh, the closest major city to Cincinnati is Chicago. And we would go there for, I, I would, anytime I could get her to take me to go see theater up there, I would just like beg her to take me. We would go see Shakespeare on Navy Pier. And sometimes we would even go a little further up to uh, Stratford, Canada, where there's this Shakespeare festival. Um, but anyway, I, at this point in my life, I really wanted to be a classical theater actor. And particularly I wanted to be a Chicago theater actor. I, I just thought that was, that it didn't get better than that. You know, I, I, I had never seen people do the kind of things that Chicago theater actors are capable of doing. So when it came time for me to choose schools, um, I really wanted to go to DePaul, which uh, is a conservatory in Chicago. And, uh, and I had a couple of other schools that I was looking at. One was Boston University, where they also had a really great classical theater program that sent you to Lambda in London. And I got into both. I narrowed it down to those two, but I knew, I knew that DePaul was where I wanted to go. Um, for a kind of twisted reason, um, not just because of the Chicago element, but because at the time they had a cut system and I used to have really bad, uh, audition anxiety. Uh, it would, it like, I would prepare and prepare and prepare. And, you know, I'm definitely one of those people who, um, my perfectionism kind of gets in the way of <laughs> my ability to perform. Um, and I, I, I guess I sort of believed that, that that kind of anxiety needed to be beaten out of you, that I needed to be in a place that was so aggressive that, that I would get so used to that kind of anxiety that I would be freed of it. Um, I have since learned that that is not the case. You need to be loved out of that kind of anxiety and like nurtured out of that kind of anxiety. But I was 18 and you couldn't tell me anything. Can I interrupt you real quick? Of course. What is the cut system? Oh, of course. A cut system is where, uh, I, I don't know if there are any conservatories left that do this, but um, they, there was a handful that used to cut like uh a conservatory is usually a four-year program and at the end of the first year let's say they have 50 students come in as freshmen they will cut 25 of them and only 25 of them will go through the rest of the program so it doesn't really from what i understand although i you will come to see i did not go to a cut system school um from what i understand it does not foster collaboration or friendship or um, it is not a good model for building ensemble in any way. Uh, 
but it does, there is a sort of eliteness to the students that come out of these programs because you did, you survived the kite and then three more years of conservatory. Got it. Okay, cool. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, so I auditioned, I got into both schools. Um, I knew immediately that I, I wanted to go to DePaul. Um, but my mom, uh, when we were comparing the two schools, she was like, well, really don't, don't write off BU because they're offering you a lot of money. Um, I got, I got a really good, I got really good scholarships there and I was still waiting to hear back from DePaul about what kind of financial aid package they were going to offer me. Um, I had one day that was in this process that was super decisive. And at this point I had decided on DePaul. I had, I had, I had sent my acceptance. I had sent in my housing forms and my $600 deposit. Um, I had declined BU, but at the time this was, uh, this was 2007 and you could do you, all of this online. You could, you could go on and say like, no, I don't, I'm, I'm declining. But for some reason I decided to do it the snail mail way, which is just this little paper card that you check. Yes, I'm attending or no, I'm not. And I mailed it. I didn't think about it. Um, on this one decisive day, uh, three things happened. One, I got um, a notification from Boston University that they were offering me more scholarships. So I was essentially going to be there on a full ride um, with like a very small government loan. Um, the second thing that happened was that DePaul declined my request for more financial aid. Um, yeah, at this point, my mom is just like having a breakdown because, because she was very aware that debt shackles people. I, I wish that was something we talked more about with kids who are like choosing colleges that, that, you know, that is a factor in, in, in the decision that we should be making is like, what kind of financial life you will be looking at post school. Um, but also I think she was aware that life as an actor is unpredictable. And it doesn't matter if something like $30,000 or $70,000, it's like, that's a made up number when you're 18 years old and looking at a school and it sounds so far away. And, uh, but my, I think my mother was very aware that that kind of money could could ruin you or like cripple you. I, I couldn't be told anything to do with that. Um, but I was in a sort of state of semi panic, uh, thinking about that. Um, the third thing that happened that day was I went to a voice lesson and, uh, cause I used to sing classically. Um, and my teacher, uh, she's warming me up and I love my teacher. She's, she's chatty. Uh, she's always got the good gossip, but she paused in the middle of warming me up and is telling me about this other student who had graduated a couple years before me, 
and how he, um, you know, he was kind of like the, the golden boy of our school. And, but he hadn't gotten into any of his top three schools. Uh, instead, he got a full ride to USC as an actor. And she hit a, like a chord on the piano and she looked right at me. And I hadn't mentioned my dilemma to her at all, but she said, sometimes God speaks through money. And it was like time slowed down. <laughs> and it was so bizarre because I was, I'm like really not a religious person. I, I would consider myself very spiritual, but like just, it, it came so out of left field for me. Um, and I was like, I have to go. I'm sorry, I have to go. And I left my lesson <laughs> having my own like, like panic attack. Cause I was like, oh my God, God is speaking to me. God is speaking to me through money. What am I going to do? And so I, I called Boston University crying. I talked to some, some poor young man. Uh, and I was like, I was like, I've had a sign. <laughs> I've had a sign. I have to come to school there. Okay, is there any chance that, that I could reverse my decision? Like, is my like financial aid package still intact? Like, what, can I, is there somebody I can like plead with to, to, to explain to them that God is speaking to me through money? <laughs> um, and he was like, you, you know what? You're never gonna believe this, but um, I'm looking at my mailbox right now and your card, your printed, the card that you sent is in my mailbox. Uh, I'm the person who would have entered your decline. Um, I haven't entered it yet. Would you like me to just switch it and I can send you housing forms and you're not delayed, like your financial aid package is intact and we can just proceed from here. And I, I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, let's do that. And I, I uh, canceled things at DePaul and moved ahead with BU and it was, it was the decision that set my whole life into process, you know, it was, it, it really was uh, the hand of the universe kind of intervening on my behalf. <laughs> wow. Uh, is it, is there an, is there an, is like, that's a really trippy story. Uh, uh, should we, should we kind of like, kind of talk about it or did you is there more like an epilogue to it or you want to save that save that for a little later no no there's there's no particular epilogue it's just that um i wouldn't i wouldn't be who i am today if i hadn't gone to bu i i wouldn't um i wouldn't be in la uh that that was another sort of hand of the universe almost arbitrary decision that was made um which I can explain, but is something unrelated. Uh, I wouldn't have gotten into film and television, which has become one of my great joys. Like I love, love, love theater. And I love, particularly love the LA theater community. Um, I'm a member of Antias Theater Company, classical theater company there. Uh, but yeah, I think if I had gone to DePaul, my whole life would have been different. I speculate about that sometimes. Yeah. I. So, gosh, there's so many like really kind of trippy elements of. Uh, I mean, what you chose to mail in your decline to be you, when you could have easily <laughs> done it online. Like, yeah, do you like looking back? Do you? 
is there like a why to it or like thinking back like it was what kind of thoughts do you if you remember it all went in your mind um (laughs) i think at the time you know this was definitely this was the age of like i'm pretty sure we still had dial up at that point uh i think i thought oh it'll be more of a hassle to go online and do it rather than i can just like check this box on this card you know my mom will put it in the mail and uh i think i think it was as as simple as pure laziness that made that decision laziness has uh paid off i i guess you could say right don't knock it till it it ruins your life right for all for all the uh for all the tiger moms out there some Mm -hmm. sometimes laziness (laughs) comes through uh yeah, I mean that part. That part is certainly. Just imagine if you just went with the internet and it'd have been done, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, as you said, like your teacher, just said the most random thing to you. Like, like was that a truly left field thing? Like, she, there was no like indication that she would say stuff like that prior, you know, about like God. No, no, and to be honest, like the person that she was speaking of was somebody who had graduated two years before who I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to what was going on in his life in college. And, you know, when, when we came in, I started singing immediately. Like I didn't, I didn't share with her that I was having any dilemma. Um, She didn't notice that I was stressed. There was no like, are you okay? Like, nothing nothing and it, it really was like you know she had like this power cord too that that sent this like shivers up my spine right before she said god speaks through money sometimes god speaks through money and it was it was yeah it was it, it really was like time stopped for a second everything slowed down you know what's like to me kind of comical about that moment is that if you wrote that in a script, people would think that that was super corny. Right. You know what I mean? People are like, what? Why would, like, no, that would not happen. No, this person would not t- just strike a chord and say that to you. And, right. and it so actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it actually happened to you for real. Um, that's really interesting. Well, and I would like to point out that, that from a philosophical point of view, I don't, be- I don't actually believe in that. Like, I don't believe that. I feel like if, the universe or god or whatever you want to call it is going to speak through any medium it wouldn't be money um (laughs) i I just don't agree with that but i i i guess that moment and many moments thereafter have made me believe like you can never anticipate the medium through which the universe will speak to you and you kind of have to be open to whatever way it's going to communicate because it'll probably be weird yeah, I mean, there's kind of like a element of like, not not that she did this, but it was almost like she spoke through tongues to you or something, and then you like, yeah. like what? And then that made you kind of just leave the lesson and obviously, <laughs> obviously try to try to get get your acceptance approved by BU. Uh, and yeah. and what are the odds that the person handling your call was that was in the mail was in it was in his inbox basically paper. Right like actual physical mailbox, right? Mm-hmm. Back when those were 
a real and important thing. Yeah, no, we uh we should still support the post office, but yeah, like uh, yeah. Um, I know, but yeah, it's like it's so uh, I, I mean, stories like this always trip me out because of like one you write that in a script people will grill you for it of how like no that's too coincidental no you can't you can't do that but then like your story like that really happened to you so what what's like it's actually it's like a real it's reality though sounds so way to you write like hands of the universe like you said like at play um Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I, I, I guess what I take out of that is that, you know, life doesn't behave like a narrative. And as much as we would like to think when we've, you know, when we've really got the blinders on and we're not paying attention to those, those like little synergistic moments, you think that those moments are really subtle, but they're not. They're actually super unsubtle. Um, and they usually come from the weirdest place the weirdest direction that you that you could possibly expect but um yeah i I guess that's what i do um so i guess you know uh this will kind of lead into you know sort of the thematics of the show but uh yeah why did you decide to never share the story story at all i mean it's something that it's something that I um, a couple people who are really close to me know. Right. Um, it's, it's, especially, I have two very close friends who were friend who I was best friends with while I was going through that process. Um, but I guess I like to present myself as somebody who is very cautious and thoughtful responsible um and so having to admit that they're that some of them and this is true of a couple of things like some of the biggest decisions i've made in my life came out of something super arbitrary um it it didn't really fit with i guess the self that i was trying to present to the world you know somebody really dependable and cautious um but it's yeah it's i think it's 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 liberating to acknowledge those moments in your life yeah i i uh you know and uh i think i can say this right like you're of asian descent mm-hmm. as am i and certainly there's tropes and stereotypes and cultural things about being like a cautious asian and whatnot and mm-hmm. i always say yeah i always say the like there's more context to it it runs a lot deeper you gotta understand like Mm -hmm. what you gotta understand like what your parents went through what their legacy went through for them to want you to not like stir the pot Mm -hmm. because like like in my case personally like my parents came from vietnam and if they stirred the pot during the vietnam war they were gonna lose their lives so you know like because they didn't have a stable government whatever i'm not saying that we do but but you but you go to america right like there's different freedoms and individual responsibilities and whatnot and you still want to you don't want to mess that up right so you just you just you know lay low try to stay stay out of issues so like 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get, I get like, like you wanting to present yourself like that. It like it's a little deeper. It's not just like yeah. Well, my my yeah. family's Jap- Japanese American, and um, I can't speak for all Japanese Americans, but certainly in my family, there's uh, my family would consider themselves American now. There was there was a lot of pressure. They they all immigrated in like during or around or shortly after the war and there was such an emphasis on falling in line is not maybe not the right way of saying it but like assimilating and being really embodying american values and and not giving anybody any cause to doubt your your integrity your sincerity um and I also, you know, I come from a, a family of, of people who really, really valued academia and um, my, my grandfather, who I, I never met, he died when my mom was 16, um, died pursuing his doctorate, despite speaking very, very little English. Um, and my mom has two master's degree degrees. Uh, both of which she got um, in sort of the second half of her life. Uh, so I, I do think that culturally and personally, there is a lot of pressure, uh, whether, whether that's a bad thing or whether it's a good thing, to, to be, to live up to all the hopes that they have for us. Yeah, no, I, uh, I don't think you don't know this about me, but I, uh, I teach uh, Asian American film and TV occasionally, history. Oh, cool. So yeah, so like, there's a lot of anti-Asian, American Asian sentiment throughout American history. Japanese World War Two. I call them concentration camps, most most publicly because you know, they were. Yeah, let's not. I mean, they were. You know, most people know it as internment, but uh, yeah, like, so when all those factors are coming around, you know, survival and how to survive is what you try to do. And in this case, for a lot of people in like your community and mine, it's just, you know, the, the, the next generation just, you know, build on the other generation. So if your, your mom had all this education, you build on her education and then you like blah, you know, et cetera. So, you know, that's where, uh, I don't know, we could. I teach a whole class of that. It's like, I, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you have 16 weeks, we can, every week we can yeah. chat about it. But, um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, as we kind of wrap up a bit, um, I think you, I think you touched on it, but it'd be nice to kind of, you know, hear, hear, I mean, you mentioned that this sharing the story has a, like a liberating aspect of it, but maybe you can kind of expand on that um, as we kind of end the episode and, you know, like what kind of takeaway do you have from, from, I guess, feeling Hmm. liberated about sharing your decision of college and how, like you said, how just kind of random it all came about despite you like your, (laughs) you know, responsible nature. nature. Yeah. I, it's, it's liberating from two sides. Um, One, because of, of what I said before about how, it feels it feels good to like assimilate all the parts of yourself, you know, like to to acknowledge that 
in addition to being somebody who is responsible and, and, um, uh, sort of hardworking and, and thoughtful and, and considered, which is the face I really have cultivated in the world. I think, I hope, <laughs> um, that there's real, there's room in there for that other part of me, which is somebody who runs on instinct and, uh, takes risks and takes leaps. Um, and the other side of it too is, uh, cause I actually, when, when, um, I first got invited to be on your show, I was like, I don't have a good enough story. I'm, <laughs> that's so, I was like, God, that's so boring. Is, am I really that boring? <laughs> um, but I guess like acknowledging that, that there's, uh, like, I love that about my life is that I, I'm not like, I travel a lot. I love to see the world, but I'm not somebody who takes what would be called unnecessary risks. And I, I think I kind of fought against both both of those aspects of my personality like I didn't I didn't want to be somebody who was like dull and I didn't want to be somebody who was unpredictable and untrustworthy but getting like getting to just talk about something that was huge for me and that was um you know both very like a huge decision that was made super arbitrarily and something that is really simple, you know, it's just a simple, simple story. Uh, it makes me feel good to put that out there because that's, I guess that's just, that's who I am. Yeah, I mean, well, no, I mean, well, thanks for sharing. I'm glad like, you know, this is kind of giving you kind of a nice little positive moment uh, as, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, during our recording of this, there's a lot of unpositive things in the world and in America and yeah. for a variety of reasons. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was a very superhero like episode. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you. Black Bison, AKA, uh, Liz from up on the glass or, uh, as you, as you're referred to by your friends, Chelsea, uh, <laughs> or do they call you black bison? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's usually Chelsea or Chelsea very occasionally very occasionally i'll get a black bison but that's that's pretty much only by 12 year old boys on instagram okay <laughs> we'll let that one lie uh so uh, yeah thanks chelsea for being on the show and uh talk soon everybody bye hey if you'd like to know when our next new episode comes in it's easy you can subscribe for best story i never told that's right on itunes spotify google play or stitcher